Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. And our show is brought to you by 409 Tailgate Club. You know all about their great sauces, their chicken rub, their Bloody Mary mix. And now they're introducing their new coffee barbecue dry rubs. Andrew P. and I could both tell you all about it. We're both advocates of it. We both hit them during the holiday season with great results. And you will do the same. If you want to see their new products, all you have to do is head on over to 409tailgateclub.com. And I think they're also running a few New Year specials. They're celebrating the Rose Bowl victory. So that's 409tailgateclub.com. Be sure to check it out. Andrew, speaking of Rose Bowl victories, that's where we're going to begin our show. Sure. Love to get your final takeaways. Very nice performance by Sean Clifford and the guys. Yeah. Sean Clifford, the defense, in my opinion, Penn State basically opened a can of whoop-you-know-what on Utah. They they were – the score was tied at halftime, but the game didn't feel like it was on equal footing. That was just the way I was watching it. I'm like, yeah, no, this is, this is not uh, an up-in-the-air proposition right now, even though the score said it was – it was not quite like the Michigan Penn State game where you were like, oh my gosh, literally the only thing is close is the score. But I had already seen elements of the Penn State defense starting to stamp itself on the game. Sean Clifford was comfortable and confident in what Utah's defense was going to do and how they were going to try and defend the Penn State offense. And I, I just thought they were across the board just a better team. And I didn't think Utah played poorly. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like Utah, they, they had a couple turnovers, but I don't know. King's interception was a pretty darn good play. It wasn't like Utah was, you know, mistake prone or, you know, had a ton of penalties or didn't look like it had any, wasn't comfortable and confident in what it was doing. It was running the ball fairly effectively, but wasn't able to find that second gear and, Man, Penn State just, they just took that game over across the board and they really, they really dominated. And, and in the end, I, I mean, the score was really the only close thing again. I, I mean, you make a great point because those who are sympathetic to Utah's cause might point out the fact that their starting quarterback got injured. At that point, they were down by one touchdown. And they had possession of the ball and were, were beginning to move it. In fact, the play where he was injured, they had uh, he had scrambled for a first down. But I think your point is valid. By that point, you were seeing Penn State's defense taking over. And a positive play for Utah usually meant Penn State was owning the play. And somehow the quarterback was making something out of nothing. Yeah, it was it was him going out was for me was only the the sort of the final nail in the coffin. It he kept the game close all, pretty much by himself. 
because they could run the ball, but they couldn't run the ball to make a difference. And if you think about it, outside of three Marquise Wilson plays and the pass he threw up where Marquise got lost, that was a prayer. He, he just literally threw up a prayer. And already by that point, and though, despite those three plays, overall Penn State's defense was already in sort of taking over the game mode. You could see it. They were, they were putting him in uncomfortable down and distances. They were getting a little bit out of the running game here and there, but they weren't like gashing them with the running game. They weren't running it right down their throats. You know, there's a difference. And Penn State was starting to be, they were starting to snowball for them defensively was starting to roll. All that, all that had done was rising was literally holding it together with bubble gum and scotch tape to try and keep the scoreboard close. And when he went down, that was just a final nail in the coffin, in my opinion. Talking about the Penn State offense, first of all, it was interesting to see time of possession, number of plays. Utah, I believe, ran over 80 plays. Penn State ran 50-some plays. Partially, that's a couple of three and outs. Partially, it was a couple of three plays and a touchdown of over 80 yards. Let's talk about those those big plays, starting with the Nick Singleton uh, run. That play showed how special he is with his speed. It also showed the improvement of this offensive line, didn't it? Yeah, it did. They 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 did run block decently in this game when they knew what they wanted to do. Utah had to. Utah was clearly focused on the running backs, right? Like their safeties were running downhill, let's say, and Penn State knew how to sort of lull them to sleep with that, and then sort of gash them. I thought it was funny on Nick Singleton's run. Like when he broke through the second level, the announcers on TV were like, it's a foot race. And I literally started laughing. I was like, that is not a foot race. That is over. And he still had 60 yards to go. And I'm like, that is over. Goodbye. You could have said goodbye at the 40-yard line. But um, it was a really good combo block up front. And then I think it was Theo Johnson, if I'm correct. Uh, Yes. Sealed the inside and pushed him to the end. A lot, pushed the the linebacker to the inside uh, of the to join the combo block uh, that was already taking place. He pushed the linebacker inside that allowed Singleton to make that quick little outside cut after he, you know, blasted through the hole. And then it was that's green in front of him, and that is not a foot race, Mister Announcer. That is game over. Well, the the interesting thing in all of this, Andy, is at the end of the day. Nick Singleton only had seven carries. For comparison's sake, Tank Smith had four. Yeah, Nick. They didn't need Nick Singleton. He he did his business, and they were they had they were owning the football game. They they weren't. They they put their points on the board, and then they got out. There was no need to to run them into the ground. Katron Allen didn't run the ball a ton. They they mixed and matched them really well. They just dominated them. The the, the the statistics were sort of they were wowing because of the big yard runs, but they were sort of muted because their dominance was so complete. You know what I mean? They didn't have to throw it 40 times. I think Sean Clifford attempted 22 passes and they attempted 23 overall. Their dominance was so complete and the big, the two big strikes 
separated them from the scoreboard. It already felt like that was going to happen, even if they didn't have the big plays that they were just, they were dominating the game at such a level that they were separating themselves already inside the game. The big plays only brought it to the forefront. That's just the way I saw it. Sean Clifford had perhaps his best game of the season of his Penn State career. What I thought was interesting, Andy, when I watched Sean Clifford, he's not good when he's under pressure, but when he's in a clean pocket, confident, you watch him step into a pass, he can be very accurate. That's the Sean Clifford we saw in this game, and we especially saw it on the long play to Andre Lambert Smith. Yeah, he uh, he he uh, he caught the safety. He he eyeballed the safety into a bad spot on the Keandre Lambert Smith play. It was that was a little bit of a veteran move. But when I look at this game, if you look at this game for for Clifford, the way I would describe it, it was simplistic. It was simplistically a fantastic performance to cap his best year overall as the Penn State quarterback. In James's offense, when he's only throwing it twenty two times and he ran like six or eight times. They were seven for 13 on third down. Like everything allowed him to stay comfortable, right? Like it looked very comfortable. And I would say, I'd like your, maybe I'm asking you, Jimmy, it looked easy for him, didn't it? I mean, it looked really, really, really easy for him, Jimmy. And that is not something you would say about Sean Clifford very often. Like, wow, that was just, that just looked really easy for him. But do you agree that it just looked really easy for him against Utah? When the plan is in place for a play and the structure of it is correct, clean pocket, uh, ability for him to step into the pass, it's why I often say run that two-minute offense for him when he doesn't have time to think and he gets the ball out quickly. It's effective, and we saw that throughout the game with this one. And that's the Sean Clifford we saw here. We saw him at his best because the things around him, the running game was a threat that had to be respected. He didn't have to throw the ball 40 times. Everything was set up correctly for him in this game, and he performed. So, And I'm really happy for him. We're going to talk more about the Sean Clifford legacy in quarter number two. But let me leave you with this, Andy, this question. Where does this put Penn State at this point? Going into this game, we heard a lot of they've not beaten a ranked team. They've not beaten anyone. Well, they just got done beating a top 10 team. So my question to you is not where are they going to be ranked in the polls, but how do you rank them? And the best way to do that is if they would play any team in the country, neutral field, how many other teams are there out there that would be favored against this Penn State team? So I like the way you, you, you phrase that. How, how would they be an underdog to on a neutral field? I think they would be a solid underdog to three teams. I think Georgia, Mich- because Georgia's just elite. I think Michigan, because it's a ba- Michigan is a just a it's a bad matchup for Penn State. They're just they're just a difficult matchup for Penn State. I think they would be a solid underdog to Michigan. I think they would be a a, a solid underdog to Alabama, despite the Crimson Tide not making the college football playoffs. 
I think they would be an underdog to Ohio State, but not as much because they match up well against Ohio State. That's where I stopped, Jimmy. I don't think they'd be an underdog against TCU. I do not. I do not believe they would be an underdog against TCU. Now, TCU can be a flamethrower, as we've seen all year. They come back. They they rally late in games. They won a bunch of games where they were losing. You know, you saw against Michigan, they're a flamethrower. They can put points up, but then they'll give you give up some. I do not believe Penn State and the way the 2022 defense is that they would be an underdog to TCU. So four teams. I, I agree with you. I think there are four teams that would definitely be favored over Penn State, and then you might have two or three others where it's a toss-up game. Definitely in the top 10 for Penn State. That's it for quarter number one. Stick around. Quarter number two, we'll investigate Sean Clifford's legacy. Stick with us. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with Andy Shea. Andy, we talked Rose Bowl in quarter number one. The big game by Sean Clifford in the Rose Bowl, and it got me to thinking. It, it was it was great for him, even yep. if you're not crazy about Sean Clifford, the quarterback. I think, and this is the case, I think, for a lot of Penn State fans, I believe they're fans of Sean Clifford, the person, and they are rooting for him. And 
most Penn State fans are ecstatic, not just that he played well to help the team win, but that he played well for himself, for how we're going to remember Sean Clifford. But that leads to the whole question. Put it all together, the 13-year career of Sean Clifford at Penn State. (laughs) In, In five years from now, in 10 years from now, when we look back at the Sean Clifford era, how are we going to remember Sean Clifford? Oh, you're going to remember Sean Clifford as a, that's a very loaded question. You're going to remember him as a talented quarterback who had some ups and downs and struggled at times, started out well, battle had to battle through some injuries, but in the end, um, he showed his medal when it when it when the team and the program really needed it, right? Like this team and this program, and he was partly responsible for this. Were heading in and teetering on an uh, uh, and they were going in the wrong direction, right? They were five hundred below five hundred, back to back non winning seasons. I guess is the way you can put it. Um, you know. He was, you know, partly and largely responsible for that. He finished stronger than he started, and he had a really good first year. That is how I will remember it more than anything. Yeah, did he struggle at times? Sure. Did he? Did injuries impact him? Sure. But he finished stronger in 2022 than he started in 2019, and he started with a bang. I mean, for me... The Rose Bowl was just was just sort of the like you know the little sugar little treat on top of your cupcake. He he had already shown his medal to me by by t- playing twelve pretty solid games as a leader of this offense. So the Rose Bowl was just the final touches were all on sort of on full display on a guy that had actually in the you know break between the final regular season game and this game. He was focused on this game because he knew he had already done what he set out to do. Now it was time to enjoy the final ride. The last time you're going to hop on, you know, hop, you know, get in that ring as a college football player. He made sure he enjoyed it. He looked effortless and comfortable and it was a it was a tough season. Even though they were 11 and 2, it was still hard for him because he was a big part of why the the sort of the narrative around this team was, well, maybe they've lost it. Maybe they're not, you know, one of those programs anymore. And he made sure to change that conversation. I think that is how you will remember him. He was the starting quarterback for four seasons. The first season and the fourth, very good. Double-digit wins bowl game victory, also had a running game <laughs> both those seasons, yep. probably a better offensive line. The two years in between where this team was 500, you had, I know COVID affected this team, yep. but COVID was there for every team in the country yep. also. So you got to be yep. careful. Uh, but in that COVID season, they lost Journey Brown before the season started, lost Noah Kane the first series against Indiana, 
Micah Parsons sat out, and we know what kind of talent he has. And it wasn't the greatest offensive line, which led to a not very good running game. 21, remember, this team was 5-0, and ranked in the top five, had Iowa on the ropes when Sean Clifford got banged up. How much different would this legacy be without that injury against Iowa? Had they? I don't think anyone doubts that if Sean Clifford were healthy on that day, they beat Iowa, and they probably beat say, Illinois the following week. Yeah, no, I it, injuries injuries Im, have an impact, right? And at at where Penn State was in two thousand twenty one, five and zero on the road at Iowa. Um, you know, they pretty much had owned that game both sides of the ball until he got hurt. It, it sort of it the injury to him was was so impactful because it revealed he was sort of hiding the cracks that were sort of beneath the surface of this team, right? Like all of the sort of you know stuff that was kind of underneath offensively that was going on. He was sort of covering it up during that five and0 start. And when he was a shell of himself the rest of the of 2021 season, the, the cracks just became more and more pronounced, right? So it was a combination of those two things. The lack of a running game definitely uh, impacted him. It impacts most quarterbacks, but it really had an impact on him. You're 100% right of that. And yeah, COVID was a factor for everybody. I don't think he handled the remoteness well. And I don't think the program or the team handled it well either. Nobody is to blame for that. Some people just did not do COVID. You know, it was a struggle for them. You know, some people in, you know, jobs, people, just people struggled at different levels. Students had to, college students had to become remote college students. Some thrived, some floundered. It was just circumstances that were tough. And, and Penn State, and their quarterback, it was pretty clear, did not handle the COVID sort of restrictions and difficulties that it presented. They just didn't handle it well. There's, there doesn't have to be any blame or reason for it. It was pretty clear they did not just, in that environment, they struggled big time. So it was 2021 and the injury that really, really, really had an impact on this program. And to come back in, in a one-year window and do what they did in 2022, that's a credit to a lot of people. That's not easy to do, Jimmy. Andy, I think you and I, uh, and also most Penn State fans, like Sean Clifford personally and are always going to root for the guy. But let me give you – here are the negatives, not just what others say, those who are critical. I'll give you my criticism of Sean Clifford. At times he gets he's inaccurate, especially on the deep balls. Early in games, remember he had that where he'd be excitable and then start overthrowing people, which I think was just too much adrenaline. Sometimes he's not good at seeing the entire field. He focuses on one receiver, someone standing alone on the other side of the field. And one of the things that I don't think gets talked about enough, I believe he's he can be indecisive. There's a play where he should escape the pocket and run, but it takes them that extra beat before he does it, and it makes him look slow. 
He doesn't make the play. Those are my criticisms of him. But I think the coaching, and we saw in this Utah game, I believe that when Mike Yersich realizes those weaknesses for Sean Clifford, he could build a game plan around his strengths instead of his weaknesses. True? Oh, the the second year with Mike Yersich and as the offensive coordinator and Sean Clifford as the quarterback was part of the reason for this being an 11-win team and the offense scoring, you know, what, 30-some points a game, averaging well over 30-some points a game the, the last month of the season and through the Rose Bowl game. It is – they knew – each other they knew what they he knew Mike Yersich knew what Sean Clifford couldn't do and what he was capable of doing and Sean Clifford knew what Mike Yersich wanted from him in this offense and what he expected from him as the quarterback of this offense that might sound really simple but it is a really hard page for two of them to get on if you're changing offensive coordinators year after year after year right and I think they had I think Mike Yersich and John Clifford were on that page, but when he got hurt and injured in 2021, changing that fast on the fly, they didn't have enough solid bones underneath it to make those changes work. And I think they spent the entire offseason starting from that bottom level. If our offensive line isn't any good again, we think it's gonna be better, but if they're still gonna struggle, not be very good. How can we still make this offense effective? Well, then how can we find a running game? Well, you get two talented young running backs. But you don't go into the season expecting that. You go into the season working on the lowest common denominators because you have a veteran with some talent at the quarterback position, and then they've built on it from there. But you're 100% right. And one of the shortcomings I would add, he didn't play behind good offensive lines, but I, I consistently thought at times he did hold the ball too long in the pocket trying to find that somewhere to throw it. But also one of the things we haven't discussed in the course of 2020 of the 20 season was, and it, it it kind of erased itself in 21, but it also reappeared. He lost his confidence completely as a quarterback. That was clear during the COVID season. You remember that Jimmy, you kind of forget that, that not only was the team struggling and, he completely lost confidence in himself as a quarterback. That was clear from his play on the field. Coming back from that is a lot harder than people think. It's just like, well, you just go out and find your confidence. Uh, no, you don't wander off and lose it by accident, and you don't find it by accident. You really have to grind on it. So that this season was a culmination of that, that, he had to battle through the injuries last year. He wasn't hurt this year and his confidence. He was confident in who he was and Yersich was confidence on what he would ask him to bring out of this offense. Real quickly, was he a good college quarterback? I think he was a very good college quarterback. Um, he had three offensive coordinators in three seasons and I really believe overcoming that what he did against Purdue told me everything. Threw that pick six, took that team right down the field. That right there told me everything about him as a quarterback. Purdue, 
was the definition of Sean Clifford at, at his best and at his worst. Yep. Stick around. We're going to hit Ask Andy in quarter number three. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea and it is quarter number three of our show. You know what that means. It's time to take your questions and ask Andy. I know it's been a couple weeks with the game, the big bowl game coming up. We skipped it last week and we even skipped Ask T. Frank this week because we were reviewing the Rose Bowl game. So just want to say to everyone, we're hitting the off season. If you want to get your question on the air, now is a great time to send in your question. Best way, download our app, Keystone Sports, and you'll see an Ask Andy button. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button. All you got to do, hit the button, and it's real easy to send us your questions. We especially like it when we get new folks sending in questions, people we haven't heard from before. The winner... And we will pick out a winner for the best question. They'll get a prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. Some great products that they have there. Very nice. Andy and I can both attest to it as we are regular users of their product. And by the way, I know that Andrew from 409 is running some Rose Bowl victory specials. So get over to 409tailgateclub.com and check them out. 
Andrew P., you ready to answer some questions? Let's do it, Jimmy. Fire away. Okay. Let's start with Gary in Arlington, Virginia, who says, Hey, guys, great performance in the Rose Bowl by everyone. The T formation they use is really effective in short yardage situations. Are you surprised it's not used by more teams? Uh, n- no, I am not. Because most in the game today, space and yeah, space matters in the game today because speed and athleticism and, and would do it. Most teams in that sort of situation where Penn State sort of tightens everything up, most teams would spread everything out today. That's why, and offensive lines today aren't built necessarily for that as a strength to be able to sort of power and pile drive per se. Some are, but most aren't. More, the way the game is played today, success is had when you spread out in tight spaces rather than constricting in tight spaces. So I'm not, that's a good question. I'm not surprised. I am, I, I, I am surprised Penn State did it. I enjoyed it, but I don't see other teams doing it because it's just not the way the game's played today. And, and it's, you spread them out and, and find, find that open receiver and go there rather than constricting and tightening it up and putting three guys in the backfield. But I will say this, Penn State executes it pretty darn well. They execute it very well. They practice it, obviously. I'm going to add this, Andy. Uh, they have the right talent for it also because they have two really good running backs who they could both put both of them in the game, and they're both a threat. Plus, they are both willing blockers. Okay, willing. How many college teams have that? And to add to it, Penn State is also very talented at tight end. Correct. So besides the tight end you have in the backfield, you have tight end or tight ends along the line of scrimmage also adding bulk and blocking ability. So they have the talent to do it. The other part to this is credit to Mike Yursich. In this day and age, when you talk about the young, brilliant offensive minds, and Mike Yursich was considered that, it's all about spreading out the defense, spreading right. out your formation, stretching the field horizontally and vertically. And guess what? He's doing just the opposite. Credit to Mike Yursich for being willing to do that. Right, Andy? Right. Remember the fade patterns this season in the red zone? Remember those fade <laughs> passes? You were like, oh my gosh, please don't throw another fade pass, right? That's to spread out and try and... and and it just wasn't working. So he went back to the drawing board and was like, all right, we're not going to do that anymore because it doesn't work. Duh. And we're going to, instead of spreading it out or trying something different spread out, we're going to bring it in and tighten everything up. That's thinking outside the box, in my opinion. To me, that's good coaching when yep. you can do something that's not necessarily in your own wheelhouse, but you've got the talent, you're adapting to the talent you have on the field. Let's go to Ben in State College, who says, obviously excited about next year with the running backs and Al are returning, but the running backs need the offensive line to open holes, and Aller will need receivers to catch the ball. 
which group causes you more concern, the receivers or the offensive line? Who um, it, it is? It is still the. It's going to be the offensive line, right? Um, I I I think they'll find receivers, right? I think they'll find receivers. They've already got the running backs. It it has to be the offensive line. Uh, I, I think the offensive line took a huge. They took a huge step forward this season because they were not part of the problem, right? I still think at the end of the day, they were an average power five offensive line that's that managed to overcome several injuries and still perform. Like I think sort of the hidden stars of this team and down the stretch, Hunter Norzad and Drew Shelton, they came up, you know, they, they had to play and they, they performed really well in tight spots. Penn State did not have a lot of depth up front on the offensive line. We knew that going into the season. We knew they were settled on that. And, you know, they were impacted by injuries greatly along that offensive line, and they still were able to perform. So I think they took a huge step forward. They were so bad. They ha- You know, any step forward was – would have been a good thing, but I, I, I still think overall they're an, a, an average power five offensive line that has the potential that, to be better, even better next year. Let's move on. Let's go to our good friend Steve in Potomac who says, do you think Aller will be better than Hackenberg and Morelli? And if so, why? yeah, Better than Morelli, yes. He won't. Hopefully, he doesn't get hit as much as Christian Hackenberg. Um, Christian Hackenberg had more natural quarterback tools. Um, yeah, I I'm a little I, I no he won't. I don't think he'll be better than. <laughs> I don't think he'll be better than Anthony Morelli. I mean, I think he'll be better than Anthony Morelli. I don't think he'll be as good as Christian Hackenberg. And I and part of that is going to be because he has two elite superstars at running back behind him. He might not be the focus of this offense again, right, Jimmy? Who's the focus? Of, what are you going to be focused on if you're a defense going into the first month of the season with a rookie starting quarterback? What's your focus going to be as a defensive coordinator playing Penn State? Those two freaking running backs. So that might be a chance for him to get his feet wet and have some success, but that those two guys are still the engine that sort of powers this offense. He might not have to be the five-star throw for 340 yard a game quarterback. Okay, Andy, let me let me think about just how much I disagree with you. And <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you why. First of all, I I get your point. Christian Hackenberg did not have uh these two running backs. And he definitely did not have a good offensive line. I get that. But I often use baseball analogies when talking about quarterbacks. To me, Christian Hackenberg was the kid who could throw the ball 99 miles an hour as a pitcher, but couldn't do anything else. And that guy who throws the ball 99 as a pitcher will always get an opportunity because, hey, I could teach him everything else. No, you can't always do that. I don't think Christian Hackenberg had great instincts as a quarterback. It, that 
in a tough situation with the weak offensive line, did not allow him to overcome it. Now, Drew Aller, I think we've already seen more instinct from him. I know, small sample size. But I'll give you the other thing that I think has uh, Drew Aller has going for him. Talking to um, our T- own T. Frank Carr, he talked about the difference in Drew Aller from his junior year in high school to his senior year, how much he improved, how much he got better. Those of us as Penn State fans who remember watching him in the blue-white game when he looked lost, the difference between then to what he looked like in the fall, it was a different quarterback. So I think Drew Aller shows much more instinct. I think he also shows the ability to improve. And yes, he's going to be helped by a better offensive line and those tremendous running backs. But I think we're going to see a very good Drew Aller. I don't want to say he's going to start winning Heismans this year, but I think he's going to be a real good quarterback. Go ahead, Andy. I'll let you have the last word on it. That's what it sounds like to me, Jimmy. Drew Aller for the Heisman. Uh, So your answer is he's going to be better than both. Yes. Okay. Yes. I I couldn't disagree with you more. (laughs) Well, I I don't suspect um, Drew Aller's going to be regularly bounce passing bubble screens to wide receivers. So that's I said you'd have the final word, but of course I still give a final thought. All right, uh, Larry from Cherry Hill, New Jersey says a week ago you guys talked about how much more talent Penn State had than Utah. Guilty that was me. Uh, with that in mind, how impressed should we be with this Rose Bowl win? Oh, you. You know, that's a really good question because you could say, well, it was another team, you know, blah, blah, blah. they lost their quarterback and, and you know, no, 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 no. You should be duly impressed because, like I said in quarter number one, other than, the, other than the scoreboard, they kicked the living crap out of that team up and down the field. The only thing close about that game at halftime was the score. Penn State's. Superior talent, superior athleticism, and they had some froth for the game, which I absolutely loved, was was clearly on display. Utah was holding together with bubblegum and scotch tape, Jimmy. They were only close on the scoreboard. Penn State had already stamped itself. They were the, clearly the, the better team in that game, and I didn't think it was really all that close. And just to point out, when I was talking about the talent differential, I was talking about the quality of recruits coming in. You got to remember, Utah, very well coached, and they beat a lot of other teams who had more stars than them, including USC twice. That is it for quarter number three. Stick around. Quarter number four, we're going to name our winner. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. 
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. We just wrapped up our quarter number three segment, which was Ask Andy. Andy, we need a winner. Who do you got? It was the first one out of the box, Jimmy. It was Gary from Arlington asking about the T formation. Really good question. I liked it. Very good. Gary, we'll be getting in contact with you about your 409tailgateclub.com prize. And I knew, I knew, Andy, that you wouldn't give the prize to the guy, who, which was Steve from Potomac, who asked about Hackenberg versus Aller because I was like Penn State's defense against Utah's offense. I handed you your behind in that answer. All right, let's move on, Andy. See, you notice I say I give you the last word, but I never do. I always take the last word, don't I? Yep. I sit here in silence. (laughs) Okay, very good. Let's move on for quarter number four. Here's what I want to ask you, Andy, and that's where does this Penn State program stand now? Remember, this is a team that for the previous two years was a 500 team. This year they come back, 11-win season, big Rose Bowl win. Where is this program for real? So – I think they're so I think they're uh, a Big Ten standout. Now I say that I think they were hurt this year a little bit by the Big Ten outside of Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. You could maybe if I'm being nice, I could say they were average at best. Perhaps a better term to use would be weak when you're talking about the Big Ten and, and depth wise. Um Still, Penn State changed the narrative, and they did that through 
using a lot of their young recruited talent. And several of those players are returning and a handful of them are potentially stars, right? So they not only change the narrative, but they, they, they have a strong air of optimism moving forward because several, maybe up to a handful of their elite star players are very, were very, very young players. So <clears throat> they kind of killed two birds with one stone, in my opinion. The changing of the narrative was really important because they were a, a middle-of-the-road team. But they did that by winning 11 games and having a good season in a mediocre conference. And I don't buy the argument, yeah, but did they beat anyone? That is, that is you know, Buffalo Bagels as far as I'm concerned. Um, but the Big Ten didn't help them on that front. But the young player aspect of it, doing the combo of being able to say, hey, look what we got going forward and look what we did in this season, that combination. And you don't have to dig deep to find the, the young players who were stars. It's not like you have to, you know, like figure out, well, who are the stars? You know who they are. It's really easy to figure it out. That puts them in an, in a very, very good position going forward. As, as I look at it, I think 2023 is the year they have to win one or both of those games. And you know what we're talking about. They have to win one or both of those games at some point. A couple things, Andy. First of all, Buffalo Bagels. I love that. And I can tell you, I can guarantee you that's going to become a thing on our show. All right. <laughs> just, just, I'm giving you fair, fair warning. The second thing is, yes, we know what those two games are. It's obvious. It's Michigan and Ohio State, which, we, first of all, I'm going to apologize for the program a little bit. There's only a handful of elite programs in the country. Right. Alabama is one. Georgia is one. Clemson, are they still? Yeah. Perhaps. They have a down year. They're, they're, they're there. Ohio they're State there. is. I believe Michigan now is. What you have now is two of those elite teams are in the same conference and in the same division, and that's the division Penn State has to play in. So the question becomes, they, Penn State can be very good. They can be very, very good. But next season, they're going to be measured by those two games. If they go 10-2 and two again, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be very disappointed in this team. And it may be a better Penn State team and still finish 10-2. and two. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have. Ohio State is measured, and Michigan, they measure each other by their game against each other, right? And the other ones matter too, but what they're measured by are those games. Penn State has, they have two measuring sticks. It's Michigan and Ohio State. They have, in order to, in order to take another step forward, they have to win one of those two games in 2023 to change the narrative, they have to win both of them because that that means they're potentially probably a college football playoff team. But they've got to win one of those games. They can't they can't get you know 
they can't get shellacked and and or be in the game for three quarters and then you know have it crumble around them and it still kind of feels and looks the same. It's just those two teams because they're elite. They they are Penn State's measuring stick. You know, that's- Andy. Andy, a year from now, if Penn State has won one or both of those two games, it's going to be easy to say, "Yep, they've taken the next step." But you were paid the big money to tell us this ahead of time. Are they at? Will the twenty twenty three team Penn State team? Are they any closer? And can they beat Michigan and or Ohio State? Um, I don't think they're any closer, Jimmy. I really don't. I, I just think they have a really, really hard time beating those teams. Um, they can be in the games. They might knock off Michigan occasionally, but you know they're. It just so happens that they're in the exact same division, and they have to play them every single year for the, at least the next two years. But um, I don't think they're any closer. I really don't. Um, can they beat one of those teams? I, yeah, I think okay. they can. Will they? Yeah. Okay. I, I think in 2023, they are going to beat one of those teams. And and my instinct, you say I'm paid the big bucks. Who do I think they match up better against? And who do I think they have a better chance of beating in 2023? It's Ohio State. I really think they can beat Ohio State. I, I well, give them a much better chance of beating Ohio State than I do Michigan. I think the difference will be that they have Michigan at home, I believe, and Ohio State on the road. So I'm going to uh, say Michigan. But my question is, if they aren't closer and aren't able to beat them, what is the difference? Where Where is Penn State lacking? Where do they need to improve to be at that level? Oh my gosh. So it's the quarterback position. It just simply is, Um, you know, for Penn state, it's an elite quarterback changes the game for them. If, if Drew Aller turns out to be closer to CJ Stroud, for example, in terms of his development and how he manages this offense, I think the quarterback position is one. I think the other position is, particularly when it comes to how they can't, they, they just, they don't have the wide receivers. They don't have the wide receivers in the depth. Ohio state is more elite, not because of its defense. It's defense is never really last two years. It hasn't been all that good. It's, it's the quarterback position and the wide receiver position that are so much better than anybody else that allows them to put 40 some points a game on the board pretty much every week. So it starts at the quarterback position for me. I think that's the right answer, Andy, is is the quarterback position. Because you can look at Michigan and Ohio State and say they're built very differently. They're two very different teams to reach that elite status. I mean, you can look at Georgia and Alabama and say they're very similar teams. And maybe it had to do with Kirby Smart used to be on Nick Saban's staff and he built right. a, a team where Ohio State has this high level. They are with Georgia and Alabama as far as recruiting. They bring in all those five stars. They bring in the big-time quarterbacks. They bring in the big-time wide receivers. Now, Penn State, you know, what does an elite Penn State team look like? Does it look like Michigan? Does it look like Ohio State? 
Does it look like Clemson? Who and and remember, you know, I might say Clemson, but the difference is when Clemson won national championships, they had NFL starting quarterback caliber leading them. Right. Deshaun Watson and, and and the other guy, you know, they were they had an elite quarterback and Penn State does not or has not. It would look closer to Clemson, Jimmy, because Clemson had their defense, right? They had defense. Their defenses were better than most. Georgia's defense is like ridiculous, right? Like and but I think that's at a different recruited level. But I think if it looks like anything, it looks like Clemson more to me. And that is right. It's because what does Clemson have different that, that they didn't have this year or last year? They didn't have, you know, sort of that elite NFL talent level talent quarterback. And they do, but it looks it'll look closer to Clemson if they get to the next level. And of course, Trevor Lawrence was the name that escaped me there, Andy, for a moment. How, how how soon we forget. Um, so it's it is going to be about Drew Aller. I think the elite defense is in place. Yeah, I'd like to see a replacement for PJ Mustafer, but other than that, even though they're losing some talent, I I think the defense is going to be elite. On offense, the offensive line may not be full of superstars, but I think they're going to be adequate, maybe above average, maybe even good. It's Drew Aller at quarterback, and could they find the wide receivers also? That's the other spot, Andy. Yeah, I, I think safety might be a one on defense as well. Like you knew last year, Jair Brown, despite playing behind, you know, next to Jaquan Brisker, who was a star, you knew Jair Brown was going to be a star. I think Penn State has really good receivers. It's about the quarterback. Last question, real quick. James Franklin, can be he be the coach of an elite team? Yes, I think he can. I really do. I think he's got the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator next to him that can elevate him to be that elite coach. I do, yes. With those coordinators, great, yes. po- great point on the coordinators, Andy. That is it, though, for our show. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
TrustStateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com.